You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. So the good news is that this weekend we had an amazing first annual Bride Tribe Retreat. It was so good that at the Fireplace Church, we spent an hour and a half doing a testimony service because of the way the Lord showed up and because of the incredible time we all had. It was uh, just a, a, a beautiful thing. I want to give a shout out to everyone that is part of the Bride Tribe, the Bride community that showed up and hung out. A lot of you I got to meet for the first time in person. What an honor. And I'll tell you, this kind of thing makes me very excited for future events where we're going to begin getting together in in, in physical ways. Uh, Bride is not done holding physical conferences. And while this was our first um, Bride Tribe event, like we in the future of Bride Ministries do have plans for physical conferences and not just webinar style outreach. And so we're, we're, we're really excited about all the things the Lord is bringing to our horizon. I want to remind you guys that I put out a new book. It's all of our resources, or not not all of them, but many of them that are on the website, plus some extras. It's called Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth. And I'll tell you, folks, this book is just producing testimonies left and right and center. And here's the thing. Part of marketing, part of getting any tool out into the hands of those that need it is reviews. Every book needs reviews. And and the more reviews a book gets, the more strongly people who are on the outside of a conversation or a tribe um, will consider it. And so I want to ask that if you have benefited from our prayers, from the Prayers of Shake Heaven and Earth book, uh, we know that many of you have purchased them on our our website, go to a place on the internet, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and leave a review so people know what you think. I, I and, I, and I, of course, would greatly appreciate it. Uh, as far as today's program, we're going to be enjoying a new voice we haven't had on the program before, and we're going to be talking about the subject of intercession. This is going to be really good for those of you, specifically those of you that are trying to get things going or have a business maybe, know that you need to move to the next level. You called to move to another level, but you've been blocked. Uh, and, and, and we're going to be talking about some of the reasons why and the solution. So I'm very excited to get to this week's program. I do want to say before we get there, thank you to all of our financial supporters that continue to support us. And for those of you that are new and onboarding and just jumping on board with us and saying, hey, we want to help. We want to you know, be part of what you guys are building. And we're so grateful. Uh, I, I just want to say that, you know, the more that comes in, you know, we're we're using it for really cool things like getting survivors that can't afford help connected to coaches that can help them. We're, we're passing out scholarships. Uh, we're building the Bride Ministries Institute. Uh, we keep the Fireplace Church going. We keep this podcast going. But, you know, we and this is the thing that you guys need to know. We are now being looked at by other leaders and by people in, in different areas as as a, a go to place as a place where there are tools and resources for the survivor conversation, for for 
people that have been through satanic ritual abuse. And so we're getting emails like, hey, a survivor connected with our ministry and they need a safe place to go. Do you have a safe place? The answer is no. Why? Because we're, we're, I mean, we nearly crashed and burned last year. And, and, and just recently, in the last few months, has a lot of things turned around for us financially as an organization. But people have needs, you know, people have needs for justice. And it's like, we don't have any access to justice. And, you know, the, the, the truth about justice is sometimes justice is conferred upon those who can afford it. And everyone else, well, good luck, you know. And what we can transform Bride Ministries into is a, a, a massive resource for people that have all various kinds of needs. You know, we have vision to produce housing solutions uh, short term for those that are trying to escape, you know, various situations, right? But in order to do that, when God has called you to be a debt-free organization, what do you need? Well, you need a pile of cash. You need to be able to afford to buy housing which costs hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or more and and you know what that's nothing for god as a matter of fact some of some of you that listen to this program could underwrite entire components of our vision with a single check and i know i know that there are people with great resources that listen to me you're actually tracking with me and you even have it in your heart that at some point god's going to release you to say you know daniel you've gone far enough with you know what you've been working with but now we're, we're, we're going to step on board and we're going to help as well because I know it's there. I, I know um, that God is going to be unlocking the, the route to begin to offer more and more and more resources to uh, those that we're trying to help. And, and for those that are reaching out to us asking, do you have the solutions? We don't. Anyway, uh, thank you for those of you that continue to help us financially. Just know this organization is intent on building something awesome. And you can... Support us by going to BrideMovement.com or by writing to us at P.O. Box 835-661, Richardson, Texas, 75083. I'm done. We're going to get to the program. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. So I am about to introduce you guys to a guest that is new to the Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall platform. His name is Al Hauk, and he prepares believers to be effective ambassadors for Christ in the marketplace. He has a PhD in chemistry and a doctorate in practical ministry. In other words, this gentleman is very smart and Al has a varied and accomplished background as you can imagine. He has worked in each of the seven mountains that mold culture which we'll be talking about a bit in this interview and he has served in ministry for over 30 years. Him and his wife Casey co-founded Friend of God Ministries and they minister internationally to expand the kingdom of God. He also serves as lead minister at Shepherd's Heart Christian Fellowship and is part of the leadership board of the Apostolic Intercessors Network. And Al, it's just such a pleasure to have you on the program. 
It's a pleasure to be with you, Dan. Al, um, and, and by the way, folks, his website is AINConnect.com. And, and I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I think that what they are doing is super cool because they're praying for businesses and Christian exploits. And um, we're going to get to why. But first, Al, why don't you just walk us into a little bit of a, an understanding of who you are, your background, and how you end up doing what you're doing today. Okay, it's, uh, it's an adventure. I'll, I'll try to summarize it in, in a couple minutes. Uh, I grew up uh, in western New York in farm country, uh, bailing hay, milking cows, picking fruit, and grew up in a home that was churched. Um, I had a encounter with Jesus Christ when I was 12 and uh, gave my life to Christ, and when I was 14, there were some changes in the church I was attending and I took my eyes off of Christ and started watching leaders and became very disillusioned with the hypocrisy and leadership. And so I backslid, um, just pursued excellence in business, pursued excellence in education, pursued excellence in every place. Um, I had many friends in the uh, Jesus movement uh, witness to me and I knew all about what they were talking about but I, I wanted no part of organized um, religion so to speak and decided to pursue a career in chemistry uh, I thought I wanted to be a teacher which I ended up teaching but uh, didn't like the politics, so decided to go into industry. And even in my backslidden days, uh, I tend to be somewhat prophetic, and um, I saw molecules moving in ways that I was told was impossible. And at 2 o'clock in the morning in the third floor chemistry lab at Texas A&M, I was holding in my hand 10 grams of material that I was told was impossible. Uh, and I just started telling God, this had to be you. And that launched me into multiple publications and got me a very successful position where I wanted to be employed. And in 1979, uh, we moved from Texas to Tennessee, and our first son died when he was nine days old, and I realized that there was something much more than being highly successful in my field, um, being a good athlete, being um, a good church player. Uh, I started pursuing scriptures and what was in the Bible. Uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was interesting that 
the Lord did everything in Jesus in my life together. We got filled in the Spirit together. We realized we weren't truly water baptized. Water baptized each other. Um, he called us out. He called us up. He sent us places. My projects were highly successful. Um, and I was on a, a fast track to executive leadership until three prophets one night in 1984, 1986, um, told my wife and I that we were to stay where we were, which is Western New York, rather than going back to Tennessee. And so we did uh, to us. I'm a second Chronicles 2020 person. Uh, believe the Lord and you will be saved. Believe his prophets and you will be successful. And so we stayed and I had a successful career, but uh, in the midst of all of that, I worked in each of the seven mountains. I worked in government, I worked in education, I worked in business. I, I've been in some bit parts in movies. I was a DJ at a radio station. Um, so I, I've done a little bit of everything. And in the midst of all of those changes the Lord kept my focus on him and generations and so I would be asked as most people are what is your career goal what is your definition definition of success and mine was something that people had a trouble getting a handle on and uh my definition of success in the 1980s is if my children's children love and serve the Lord, my walk on earth will have been successful. Mm. And at that time, my kids were less than five years old. Uh, now it's if my children's children's children <laughs> love and serve the Lord, then my walk on earth will have been successful. Uh, and my eldest grandson just turned 11, so I've got a few years uh, to be able to do that. But I, I started to see that what our role is as leaders is really to influence, exhort, and release the next generation to prosper in who they are in Christ so that they fulfill their destiny. Um, so mm, That's so good. Ex so Accelerate, about uh, two decades, I was promoted did a lot of travel and I was uh, I got to use my prophetic giftings in the marketplace uh, we'll talk about that later I assume and um, I did a lot of traveling I would take business trips and take vacation and do ministry as the Lord was directing us on the leading end or the back end of the business trips and um, and all of that was still geared to how do we make our generations come into alignment and and move things forward to advance the kingdom of God. In 2007, I was offered an early retirement, and I'd been I've taught my children and everybody that we mentor, if you ask the Lord a question and you don't hear yes, it means no. So if he hasn't said yes, he hasn't said yes. And so 
I asked the Lord, am I supposed to take this retirement? I didn't hear anything. My wife didn't hear anything. None of our intercessors heard anything. And I'm connected with uh, Apostle Chuck Pierce. And we had been traveling around New York State on a four-city tour with him. And the last night was in our own city of Rochester. And we're just about done for the evening. It's about 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. He comes up to us and he says, so how have you two been doing? Um, I told him I was trying to make a decision about taking a retirement. He said, when do you need to know by? And I said, Monday morning at 8. And so he, he put his hand on me. He said something to me. And that was the end of it. And everybody talked to me. said, oh, he must have given you a great word of prophecy. And I said, he did. And they said, what did he say? He said, Lord, give him peace in his decision. And because I hadn't heard yes, I knew it meant no. And so I said no. That was in May of 2007. In September, we were down in uh, Texas at a conference with Chuck, and he came up to us, gave us a big hug, and he said, what did you decide? I said, I decided to say, and he said, good, and then he started to prophesy over me. And one of the things that he said was, everything is not yet in place. And that will be our connection into Apostolic Intercessors Network because it came into existence that next month. Oh, wow. Uh, in, in 2008, so in 2007, I joined Apostolic Intercessors Network as an intercessor. In 2008, the company offered another early retirement. I heard yes. Every one of our intercessors heard yes. And Chuck started prophesying to me about it was an open door from the Lord. Um, and so I took that early buyout uh, at age 54. And have never looked back. I've been uh, traveling the world in ministry and working with businesses and governments and individuals and ministries and having fun being a grandpa. <laughs> it sounds like you're living the life. Okay. So, so, so let's get into some of the nitty gritty. Now here's the truth. The truth is that Brian Ministries, we just got done with a eight week course on prayer. So I've, I've been on this prayer kick for a while now. Uh, there's been a lot of prayer things going on. As a matter of fact, you know, I just released a book on prayer called Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. And here's what I'm interested in before we go any further. I want to know okay. about the development of your personal prayer life and how God matured you in prayer over the years. Okay. Um. I tell people as part of my testimony that my mom taught me how to pray and my dad taught me how to worship. My mom prayed with us every night when I was little. And that set something in me uh, about talking, talking with God. Um, I have conversations with the Lord and run on conversations with the Lord and, um, when our first son died at nine nine days of age uh, I have never 
ask the Lord why. Uh, why is often asked from a place of unbelief and uh, bitterness, and it's it's not a word that's in the Bible. It's a Latin word that's been added by us into the Bible. The word in the Bible that uh, is interpreted as why is for what purpose. Um, the most famous of which uh, was when Jesus on the cross, when he asked the Father, for what purpose did you abandon me? And the purpose was me. Um, Jesus is my hero, and so I try to pattern my prayer life after what I see in his relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, as I was developing my prayer life in the early 80s, um, I realized that there was something missing, um, and that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, some of the people that I worked with introduced me to the Holy Spirit, and uh, my wife and I have joyfully received uh, the ability to pray not only with understanding that, but, but to pray in the spirit and to gain revelation and insight into the issues that are set before us, realizing that if I will store up the word of the Lord in my heart, the spirit of God will bring it to life in ways that are far beyond what I could imagine. I've got testimony after testimony how he'll show me something at six in the morning and bring it to pass before the end of the day uh, in business meetings or in conversations or in mentoring sessions. As I was developing my prayer life, uh, we've had the privilege of being mentored by uh, people such as John and Paula Sanford and um, Norman and uh, Lean House or Norman uh, Parish out of uh, Guatemala. Uh, Norman has stayed in our house multiple times. He's in the heaven with Lord right now. But um, one morning I was getting ready to take Norman to his next meeting. He had spent the night with us and we were praying and I went to fix him breakfast and a cup of tea, and I went back in the living room, and he was sitting in my living room chair, and I thought he had fallen asleep, so I just left him alone. And I said, I didn't want to disturb you. I thought you were sleeping. And he said, uh, no, I never end my prayer time without waiting silently on the Lord. So I, I learned from him that it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Um, launching my laundry list to the Lord and hoping he gets it done by the time I talk to him again. So I, I said, well, what did you hear this morning? He said, well, um, you're going to take me to this meeting. You don't have to wait for me because the gentleman we're going to see, the Lord told me he has some issues he wants me to discuss with him, and he's going to offer to take me to the next meeting. I said, okay. And so I fixed him breakfast. I took him to meet the pastor he was going to be meeting with. And he, the pastor said to me, I want to ask Norman some questions. I'm going to 
take him to his next meeting. You don't have to run around. And I said, oh, cool. So um, I started to learn the interaction of silence as a discipline in my prayer life. Um, that extended, I love to worship. Uh, I'm a very demonstrative worshiper. Mm. Uh, perhaps that's because I'm a warrior. Um, and so one, one day I was praying and worshiping and the Lord told me, I want you to worship like you play sports. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> I love, I, I love to, I love to win. So, uh, it's an aside to that. Uh, I'm into full contact worship. Mm. Uh, I put I broke my foot worshiping in my son's church on Mother's Day in 2002, which is the day he graduated from college. I put my foot through the uh, return air register. Oh my! I I <laughs> went to work. I went to work a week later with a cast on my foot. And I worked for the senior vice president of our company at the time, and uh, he looked at me and he said, "What were you playing? Soccer?" I said, "No, basketball. No, baseball. No." He said, "What were you doing?" He said, "I was worshiping." Come on. <laughs> he just he just gave, gave me this look and walked away. I, I told him I was into full contact worship, um, but I, I learned that there's an interaction, the dynamic of music. In prayer and so over the years we've been hosting regional nights of prophetic worship and intercession uh, which are just phenomenal times for young musicians just uh, jam unto the Lord and uh, revelations released but in every one of them there's assignments, spiritual assignments that are, are given out and carried out under the protection. And so when my wife and I teach on worship, uh, we summarize it with, there's a sound being released from the throne in heaven. It releases a song in your heart. Your song releases your dance and your dance releases the angels. If you're going to go to warfare, you better be worshiping because you want the angels to go before you. So in all of this, I'm adding other tools to my intercessory toolbox, uh, worship and intercession, uh, tying in the principles that you see in the scripture, um, if you want to come into the Holy of Holies, you don't come in by yourself. The high priest always had to carry the 12 tribes of Israel over his heart. So the Lord's looking at who you have on your heart. And if it's only me, 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 um, you're probably not going to get the intimacy in your intercession that you're desiring. And so we encourage people to carry others or carry issues or carry the burden the Lord has given them uh, before him, sing over it, war over it. Um, 
That's good. So, so it has been a it has been a journey of uh, that I can remember about 60, 62 years mm-hmm. since I rem- since I remember being able to pray. Well, you certainly have quite a bit of wisdom. I want to ask you this question next um, because you guys do a lot of intercession and I want to get your perspective on what intercession is and what intercession isn't. Okay. To me, intercession is situational. So it's going to look different in each situation. But in every case, it's always carrying a burden that the Lord gives you until He releases you from that burden. So it's it could be for a person that is a list prayer because there are several different styles of prayer in Scripture um, that they pray that list until the Lord gives them release from that list. Or it could be for someone that's a finance intercessor that they war for a financial breakthrough for a business, a government, or whoever it is themselves until the Lord gives them uh, the release from that. How we carry the burden uh, to me is uh, as important as whether we spend a minute in prayer or we spend 24 hours in prayer. Uh, the the example that I would look to scripturally was David returning the ark from the house of Obed-Edom um, to Jerusalem. When he first started to move the ark, he did it the world's way. Um, in other words, he had no part of it. Let's just put it on the, the cart and let the the oxen pull it, and when it gets there, we'll have a party. Um, But when he did it the Lord's way, uh, I picture David as a man about my size, so that six steps would have taken him about 15 to 20 feet. And the scripture says that every six steps, they stopped, they sacrificed, they worshiped, and they carried on. I've, I've traversed that path in Israel, and it made a profound impact of how much sacrifice his worship and his intercession to bring the presence of the Lord to the place that released 33 years of prophetic worship and intercession that has established his kingdom. So the carrying of the burden is as important as saying, I'm, I'm going to pray for something. And I've seen people who say, well, if I don't pray at least six hours today, I'm not doing prayer. Well, if the Lord told them to pray for six hours, then they should pray for six hours. But if the Lord told them to carry the burden and he lifted the burden after 15 minutes, then they need to ask the Lord what to do with the next five hours and 45 minutes. Um, 
I, I, I like you do not have any respect for the religious spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see a lot of people get religious in their prayers and then wonder why there's no answer. Um, because when we get religious in our prayers, we're not talking to God. We're trying to do recipes and formulas. And as a chemist, I understand recipes and formulas. Um, they don't work because Holy Spirit is a living, moving river. And if I try to do the same thing tomorrow that worked yesterday, I'm probably going to be high and dry because the river is moved down to someplace else. So to me, intercession is a, is a dynamic interaction between my heart, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Word of God. Uh, focused on the burdens that the Lord gives me. Now, you guys have really traversed this marriage between uh, pairing intercession with the execution of mandates and callings and assignments in the seven mountains. Coming alongside of people, um, exploring them yourself with intercession. Talk to us a little bit about the intersection of the seven mountains and and intercession. Okay. If I had to summarize what AIN uh, purpose is, it's to help each of our clients achieve their destiny in any of the seven mountains the Lord's called them to. And most of the time that involves intercession to the place where it opens the heavens over our clients and over their environments so that they can see and hear what the Lord needs them to do and walk through the doors he's opening and walk through the breakthrough opportunities that he's presenting for them. Um, in my travels as a businessman in the 90s and the early 2000s, I realized that every nation has its own set of principalities and powers. It's biblical. Uh, and praying the way I would in New York is not the same prayer in Texas or Washington, D.C., or Beijing, or Ho Chi Minh City, or London or wherever else our clients may be. And so we realize that the intercession has to address the giants that are on the path for the client. Uh, Every one of the seven mountains has its own uh, language. It has its own uh, set of rules of how to succeed. Uh, By the way, in the seven mountains, Every mountain except the religion mountain uses money as the measure of success. The religion mountain, it's influence. And so you have to know how you're going to measure whether or not you're successful. Uh, As a businessman, I look for measurable results. And our clients look for measurable results. You and I would see that as breakthroughs and answers to prayer, but... uh, 
when I taught in the business world, I would tell people that what gets measured gets done. Um, if you want to have something successful in prayer, find a way to see whether or not your prayer is advancing uh, yourself or your client toward what their ultimate goals are. Uh, we realize that that means we have to be multifaceted in the way that we pray, which is why we always pray in teams. Um, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, and what I've seen over the years is the leading cause of burnout in intercessors is they do it on their own. Uh, they don't have someone that is walking with them. And so at AIN, we will never send a team out of less than two people uh, to pray for a client. What you said is really good. And, um, you know, this is one of the things, Al, that has boggled my mind is I I'm amazed many times at how protective, how defensive um, people can be about strategies that don't work. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's not just in religion and Christianity, which but there is a big problem there. It's in other areas, business, you know, it, people that are in a business but just refuse to change in certain areas and the business folds and collapses in bankruptcy because what they're doing is not producing real results, you know. Uh, but unlike the business world, the Christian world, it, it you don't see the consequences as quickly oftentimes for ineffective approaches to things. And, um, you know, I, I, I watch, you know, groups go, you know, one, from one generation to the next. You could just see the mantle of ineffectiveness get passed down. And people are very protective of that. And uh, one of the things I love about intercession and, and those that intercede is that if there's nothing changing, oftentimes intercessors will change their strategy. <laughs> because yeah. why would they be doing what they're doing if not to get results? You know, and it's the same thing in deliverance and, and some of the stuff that I do. You know, if I'm sitting down across the table from someone and the demon's still there after applying one tool or one approach to getting it out, I know, hey, uh, I need a different strategy here. Um, maybe working against a different set of legalities here. We need to explore, open some new revelation up, whatever it is Holy Spirit has us to do. But there's a measure of effectiveness that I think as the body of Christ, we need to keep in mind. Like there is a place <laughs> where fruit does come to the table. It's like, yeah, is there fruit or, or is there not? Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is really good. I... Um, I, and, and, and this is one of the reasons why I think that what you guys are doing is so, so incredible. You know, a lot of Christians get a mandal, mantle or mandate or an assignment to do something. So they go out and they begin to plow, but they get hindered. Something comes against them. There's a deviation. There's delay. There's one thing after another, but they may keep trying. 
But sometimes it seems like there's no progress past a certain point and they know that God told them to do what they're doing, but for some reason, what they're doing isn't producing the kind of fruit that they know it should. And intercession, I find, is a requirement for people that have kingdom mandates in order to move them to the place of effectiveness, of success, of, of achievement that God has in mind. Exactly. When I was when I was in the business world, and at the same time I was also on school boards. So I was in the government and education mountain. Um, I would see businesses hire consultants, and over the course of time, the consultants got more and more new agey, and sometimes outright. Um, what I would point blank call demonic in the way they um, put curses on competition and taught people how to seek from the dark side that which should only come from the Lord. And, and I was amazed that none of the companies ever sought uh, intercessors uh, for getting the breakthroughs that they needed. In fact, some of the countries that I go to, the leaders are surrounded by shaman, and the shaman basically run the government um, by the spells that they put or break on and off of the leaders. And so in intercession, I have to look at, at Christ. Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the scripture says that Jesus is the Word of God. So how did he give us weapons of warfare, tools, intercessory tools in the scripture um, that we can use in warfare-level intercession that will begin to defeat things like the wrath of God, the razor of God, the hook of God? Um, most people know about the blood, they know about worship, they know about um, clapping the hands. But if we really want to pursue warfare against pinpointed targets, we need to see in the scripture the weapon that the Lord created for each of those targets uh, and have them available in our arsenal so that when we come up against that giant or obstacle, we can have the same authority that Jesus said we would have and say to the mountain, be cast into the sea. <laughs> Amen. I love that. You know, um, the word weapons is plural when the Bible says the weapons of our warfare. I, I got so excited, Al, when God first began to show me the same thing. Like, there's literally weapons all over my word. Yes. And the church has done a great job of allegorizing the weapons of our warfare. They've made metaphors out of them. Uh, and, 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 and with this kind of biblical interpretation, basically swept them all under the rug. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's right. just a nice little poem in the book of Psalms. It's like, 
a poem about razors and arrows and lightnings and thunderbolts and <laughs> but what if we started using them you know and uh oh my gosh it is a treasure trove uh, the book of psalms is a treasure trove of weaponry um not to mind the went, oh, go ahead and when you when you were saying that it's so easy to get locked in patterns the church has been locked in the patterns since the council of nicaea mm. which was commissioned by constantine in which he basically separated christianity from its roots and brought it under state. Now, in the U.S., we're not as hindered as other nations have been to, but it is far from what Jesus intended and Holy Spirit intended and Father intended when Jesus ascended. And so we've been under that pattern uh, of do it this way for 1,700 years. And if you really want to get back at it, um, Long before Jesus walked the earth, um, the church, because the Jewish culture took on a Greek mindset, and we took on an attitude of poverty and chastity. Um, Protestants got rid of chastity, but they never got rid of that whispering, nagging, uh, what if... I've really got to be poor in order to serve the Lord. Um, I know that the abundant life that Jesus talked about is more than just currencies, but most Christians are not walking and living the abundant life because they don't know how to intercede and use the weapons that the Lord has given us to address the issues that confront us. That is so true. That is so true. And and this is um, a, a really, really important point. I need to, I, I mean, I think we should, we should uh, talk about a little bit here, Al, because um, like, like I was saying before, I find that, you know, many Christian exploits, even ours, okay, um, bride ministries, did not begin to really uh, come to a place of uh, financial stability until November of last year. I mean, throughout our entire growth phase, which started in 2015 all the way up until towards the end of 2017, even when a lot of money was coming in, we had a lot of money going out. And there was never really a place where we achieved financial stability and we I mean, I'm not going to give you our history, but our listeners know, you know, we've uh, navigated some, you know, tumultuous waters since we've been going at it. And I'll tell you, you know, shortly before November, <laughs> I officially onboarded an intercessory team because a wonderful lady who I love and respect and care for dearly said, Daniel, I feel the Lord is, you know, wanting me to be a like official intercessor and have an, a meeting and uh, we want to, you know, bring in a couple of people. So I, you know, uh, connected her with a couple of other people and we, we, we released it. And mm -hmm. within a few weeks, um, something broke in the spirit and all of a sudden the financial stability issue was resolved. And it's like, oh, look at that. 
And this massive shift happens, right? And you know, I look back and I just praise God because, yeah, it was the power of Jesus that did it. But the power of Jesus was always there. I mean, it was there long before I was born. It was there when I started the ministry. But something about intercession unlocked the desire of God for our organization. And I think mm. that's, uh, well, that's our testimony. Um, so so now let's talk a little bit about AIN because you, when, as you opened us up into your story, you know, we got to the founding of AIN, but then I took us in a different direction to talk about all these other things and intercession and so forth. But let's come back to AIN now and talk about the history okay. and the development of what you guys have built. All right. So in 2007, Tommy Femrate uh, implemented some prophetic words that she was given with the approval of her ministerial board. So Apostolic Intercessors Network was a separate for-profit corporation owned by her not-for-profit Gatekeepers International Ministry. And as in the beginning, so now, AIN wants to see every one of our clients achieve their destiny in the mountains that they are called to be successful in. And at the same time, our desire is to raise funds to fund ministries. So that's what AIN does with our funds. In 2007, late in the year, I joined AIN, took on some clients. 2008, I retired and uh, devoted myself to our traveling ministry, and uh, AIN is my two main business ventures. And uh, as we progressed across the years, AIN continued to grow, and we implemented uh, an episode leadership team which consisted of Tommy and Ralph Femright, uh, Norma Johnson and myself as Vice President and Diane Emmons as Chief Operations Officer which allowed us to uh, divide the work of a growing business and also keep moving things forward and provide for training and equipping of new uh, intercessors that joined AIN the 2013 time frame, Tommy and Ralph approached the board about transitioning uh, the ministry because their health was failing. And uh, they went to see Peter Wagner, who was uh, their board member, and asked permission of him to seek my uh, ministry is the one that would take over uh, Apostolic Intercessors Network. That happened in the fall of uh, 2014. And we continued to see growth. And um, we, revised, we revised the Apostolic Leadership Team uh, to be myself and Diane and Norma, and then we created a position of founding apostle uh, so that we could support Tommy um, with the business that she started. So that's where we are uh, as far as the the history of what AIN was. 
uh, over the course of uh, the last several years, we've had clients actively in six continents, intercessors on five continents. Our, our goal is to have clients and intercessors on all six of the major populated continents and to have them in all seven mountains. We, we do have clients in each of the seven mountains. And some of our clients have teams praying for them in multiple mountains because they realize that they can't have one broad brush team when they need pinpointed focus on different um, projects in each of the different mountains. So what AIN does is we will meet with a prospective client and um, have what we call a strategic planning meeting with them and where we will try to ascertain what is the scope of prayer that they're asking for and what are the intercessory prayer strengths. There's 12 that we focus on that are found in the scripture that would be necessary for each of their intercessors to have uh, them have their giants defeated before them whatever it's going to take. Uh, we also, around the time we started expanding to into Asia, began to ask people if they had understanding of foreign uh, religions, particularly uh, Islam and the Eastern religions, so that we could see um, how to war effectively for a client that was in a place that the main spiritual powers were not uh, the same ones as we experienced in North America. We then added uh, a criteria because we found that many of our clients were uh, being spoken to by the Holy Spirit in dreams and so we ask our intercessors if they have the ability to interpret dreams. Although we do not interpret dreams for our clients, we do help them understand what their dream language is and how to hear from it. So our, our goal is to equip them to be able to hear what Holy Spirit is saying to them and not to just be a source where uh, they can come and have a dream interpreted. So we we will then, after that strategic planning meeting, select and tailor a team of intercessors to meet the criteria that was discerned in that meeting with the clients. We've had some clients that it's just one person in the meeting. We've had other clients who introduced us to all of their leading managers in their business, other clients uh, have us meet uh, their, their families. It is up to the client to determine what it is that they want us to know. We prefer to be on site, uh, although we do a lot of our work uh, over the internet. Uh, we prefer to be on site so that we can discern the spiritual dynamics of the site and help them to understand uh, what it takes to get breakthrough. Um, I 
can give you a brief example. We were on site with one person that said, we seem to get ahead and then all of a sudden everything crashes. We seem to get ahead and then all of a sudden everything dries up and we can't understand why. And uh, I was serving as a team advisor and the team director and I, as we drove around their plant site, just saw all of these sites of defilement that surrounded their plant. And so their plant was covered by ley lines, um, which allowed darkness to just come in and harass them at any time. And so they'd pray over one thing and move forward, and then it would all fall apart. So when we're on site, we be, we begin to be able to see and discern uh, where their battles are and help them to understand what they need to do to close the gates so that the enemy can't steal, kill, and destroy in their business or their family. Uh, let me just ask this question. Okay, so, so I love the fact that you acknowledge ley lines. Um, we deal with these. Here's where I'm actually uh, really curious to see where you're coming from. So uh, I understand ley lines, are they, they're essentially energy grids, but power gets passed through them, particularly by the kingdom of darkness, because they know how to use them. Uh, have you been able to find ley lines in the Bible? That, that's been my challenge, it's because I we deal with them, we run into them, and I'm addressing them all the time, but I am still looking for where to ground it out in the Bible. Go back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. Look at points of defilement. Because I call those points of defilement power points. They allow darkness to accumulate power. Jesus said that he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Authority is always greater than power, and you and I have that, but most Christians don't exercise it. So the enemy's power is allowed to wreak havoc. Uh, anytime I have a defilement, whatever caused that defilement, and there is an other place of defilement that then creates the ability for forces of darkness to communicate and travel from one place to another. Hmm. If I shut that down, they're forbidden to travel on that. Now, that requires a, probably a whole different conversation about applying the blood of the lamb. But any time that blood is applied, we have a victory. I can't assume that because I'm born again and saved that everything's going to be a-okay. Um, but I literally have to apply the blood of Christ to close the the gates to darkness and to open them for righteousness. Okay. So so where where innocent blood was first shed by Cain, 
where covenant breaking was first done by Adam and Eve, those created access to darkness. Got it. When I when I when I follow the path of where that is, righteousness follows righteousness and darkness follows darkness. You begin you begin to see a pattern that is only broken by the grace of God and the blood of the Lamb. The term ley line is not in scripture. But then the term Trinity is not in Scripture either. True. And so at the end of the day, coming back to your story, you guys were on site. You find the sleigh line. Um, there are all these defilements around the property. And that is what needs to be resolved in the spirit in order to give that business a breakthrough. In the spirit and by prophetic acts in the natural. Mm. So when when I have the opportunity, and I often do, and I'm asked in several nations when I travel, is to teach them how to prophetically lock down a site. When you look in Scripture, um, the North, every every area, every house, every city, every region has twelve gates, and the the four key gates are the North, East, South, and West gates. Every occult religion, every false religion, all understand the significance of the North, East, South, and West gates, but Christians don't. And so we have to teach people how to become a gatekeeper, how to cleanse and lock down the gate and do that in each of the gates and basically when you're done closing each of those four gates you've erected a hoopah a canopy of praise and worship over that house that business that site whatever it is but then you have to have intercession in place to maintain it because just as Jesus told the disciples that the demon goes out and finds the place clean and put in order and brings seven others stronger than it, that's eight, which is a new demonic beginning. The same thing happens regionally or with a business or uh, with a governmental entity. If we don't maintain the site and keep it cleansed, it will be worse than it was before. And that's where a lot of Christians don't want to get into spiritual warfare because either they don't want to do the work or they're afraid of what will happen. <laughs> oh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, you're absolutely right. Um, with that, with that statement, I mean, I, you know, maintenance is a scary word for some people um, and, and and there are a lot of believers that steer f 
far away as far they they literally run the other direction from conflict with the kingdom of darkness um because right. well it'll take you to some uncomfortable places at least in the short right. term um Jesus said, "Occupy until I return." Yes, he did. That's maintenance, which is the same thing they said in Genesis, which is the first place where the Great Commission is mentioned. Genesis one twenty-eight. Give me more kids, steward the earth. In other words, take dominion and multiply. That's that is maintenance. That is stewardship, and. That's work, which is a four-letter word. Amen. So, uh, folks, um, I'm I'm talking to Al Hauk, and if you're interested at this point, I'm going to give out his website again: ainconnect.com, Apostolic Intercessors Network. As we're talking about him working with clients and helping people with their team of intercessors to secure breakthroughs and so on and so forth. This is something that's actually accessible to you. Uh, one of the reasons why I have him on the program is because I want those of you that listen to us to know that there are resources like Apostolic Intercessors Network. You know, you may be the person that's sitting on a, on a God idea, on a God mission, on a God mandate, and it may be in your local circle. There's just, you don't have access to seers, don't have access to prophetic voices you're trying to navigate something but you need a team you need some backup that is what al and his team and the apostolic intercessors network provides and um so you know al with that said i, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about one more subject before you know we we conclude here and and that's advanced strategic warfare because, you know, you opened it up and you say, you know, well, yeah, uh, some people, they steer clear of warfare and you guys don't. And so you've learned a lot and God has taken you into some very cool territory, I think, and uh, has opened up the, some, some real powerful insights and revelations to you and your intercessors in, in, in the area of advanced strategic warfare. Can you spend a little bit of time talking about that and some of the things that God has opened up to you in that area? Okay. Um, just as an overview, as you're well aware, and most of your folks are, um, we refer to deliverance as ground-level warfare. Uh, I look at it as my Judea in Acts 1-8. If I don't take care of Judea, I can't go anywhere else. Uh, the next level of warfare is a call to organized evil warfare where we're warring against uh, specific uh, issues or demonic entities. The next would be strategic level warfare where we're dealing with uh, principalities and powers. We're dealing with um, occult entities across nations and across generations. Um, and then there's something referred to as dominion level warfare. In advanced strategic warfare, we're looking at moving from uh, just an understanding of how to do spiritual mapping, how to do uh, prophetic lockdown of land, how to look at what is happening in the 
second heavens um, to break the control from a second heaven perspective of darkness off of the first heaven, the air we breathe, the earth itself, uh, and what's under the earth. And dealing effectively with uh, silencing the ability of the enemy, taking back the power of the enemy that was taken in the garden from either, in our case, businesses or families or ministries or governments, uh, and returning it in a righteous way that expands the kingdom of God. Uh, going to the outermost level of warfare um, without getting into names and entities, you're looking at basically the world powers that are uh, trying to bring about a new world order, which is nothing new and um, it's been the battle from the time that Lucifer was cast out of heaven. Um, but it's it's now beginning to deal with those entities which are being revealed. Uh, 30 years ago, if you talked about it, uh, people would say you belong in a mental institution. But now the ploys of darkness are being so exposed so quickly uh, with the advent of the Internet and uh, rapid communication that more and more people are beginning to realize there is something beyond just uh, now I lay me down to sleep prayer and warfare uh, where we have to actively and aggressively go after those principalities and powers that the Lord shows us are hindering our ability to achieve the destiny he has for us that means I have to have an intimate relationship with the Lord um, because I can only go to war in the places he calls me to go to war in. If, if this is not my battle, I'm not going to join it. Um, if I'm in covenant with someone, that means I agree to go to war with them as the Lord gives us revelation of how to go to war. And I, I love the way that you kind of, um, bring that around you know and, and this is something that I'm constantly explaining to people you know there, there are people that uh, do foolish things because they just get it in their head I'm going to attack a principality that's sitting over my entire state because I have the authority of Jesus and they're, they're, they've been a pew warmer until they heard an inspiring message and then they just go for it uh, that's that's really dumb. I'm um, sorry, guys. And 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 the, the backlash and the backfire can be brutal. Um, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. you know, I, I remember there was one, one situation where a person had gone to an area and they had uh, found a satanic ritual site. It was uh, a stone altar, so they knocked it over. But there was a spirit mm -hmm. that was in that area, and so it followed them right, <laughs> right off of the ritual site mm -hmm. and began to plague them at their house. And they were trying to pray and rebuke and this and that. And eventually, these people, what they had to do was repent for knocking over that satanic altar as Christians because they didn't have the assignment from Jesus to do it. 
And so they were trespassing. And they were out of their Mm -hmm. jurisdiction. They were out of their area of authority. And so they actually were wrong to do what they did and suffered a a price and they had to repent. Um, And and, and so the same thing can happen when silly people do things. But at the same time, some people take that and say, well... If that's the case, then no one should pray against the principalities over a region or state. You just leave them where they are, no matter who you are or what Jesus said. And that's an overage as well. Because some people will receive a mandate from heaven that says, you are now on assignment to go after this thing. Why? Because the armies of heaven are on assignment with you. And it's been authorized by Jesus. And, right, and they're never and they're never called out alone. Mm-hmm. I, I I have never seen a successful stealth assignment done by one person. Wow, it's usually it's usually done by teams who are covered by teams. So, for example, in our region, if you're doing a stealth assignment that I'm leading, you have to have five intercessors at a minimum praying for you who are not on that assignment, and either the team in the field or the base camp team. So there are multiple levels of intercession taking place, which brings chaos and confusion into the enemy's camp and allows the people actually on the field to do what the Lord has called them to do without being recognized. You brought up a a real good point, Dan. Um, When someone hires AIN, they enter into covenant with us and give us authority to stand with them in the battles they have to fight. With, without that covenant authority, we can't intercede effectively on their behalf. And that's basically what they are doing when they enter into an AIN contract. Is they're agreeing to stand with us and to have us stand with them in authority in their spiritual battles, which allows us access to the release of more angels on their behalf. That's really good. And um, I, I see the wisdom in that because, you know, there's several thoughts that come to my mind even uh, of people that will try to pray for other people when you know neither God nor the person has invited their prayers into their lives. And usually the labor is twice as hard and the results are half as effective right. as when someone right. comes to a person that says, hey, I'm inviting your prayers into my life. Will you stand with me? And the person says, yes, I'll stand and agree with you. And let's you know take this journey mm-hmm. together. And um, it that's like so so different. So that's good. Wow. So the AIN is not a ministry. Mm-hmm. It is a for-profit business. Mm. We release intercessors who are not honoring commitments. The high, the greatest of which is integrity and. Uh, confidentiality mm-hmm. we release clients uh, our our agreement is either one of us can end the agreement uh, this may sound like a an odd story but we had a client for two weeks that I was asked to get on a call with and we ended up releasing them 
after 15 minutes on the call because they wanted their team director to call them every morning and give them a prophetic word for the day. And I told them we were not dial-up prophecy. They said, but your feedback had prophetic words in it. And I said, I understand that. But that's not our purpose. I said, our purpose is to stand with you in prayer. And they said, oh, when we hired you, we stopped praying. <laughs> which is which is violation of the agreement they signed because we're standing with them. And so we can't war with them if they're not willing to war. That makes sense. Well, folks, let me tell you. Apostolic Intercessors Network is a resource to the body of Christ. And, you know, I'm having Al on my program today. Uh, I, I was actually introduced to him in a very unique way uh, because my wife had helped with the rebranding of their website. And, um, you know, uh, that came by way of a mutual contact. And, you know, Al, I'm so glad to have met you. And to be able to share what you know, God has had you to build and establish with our audience, because you know, I know that there are people in our listening audience that have a need that you have the capacity to fill. And so, again, folks, Apostolic Intercessors Network is AINConnect.com. Al Halt, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me and to have a chat. Is there any last thoughts that you want to share before we conclude the program? I, I think that if we truly understand warfare and intercession, we would understand the love that's coming from Father's heart because that is where we get our authority against every while of the enemy, every one of his tools, every one of his tricks. Um, are all thwarted when we understand who we are and how much Father loves us. Amen. Folks, Al Hauk, you have been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. And until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.